Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. If you've been listening over the last few weeks, you'll know that when I think pumpkins, I think patents. Yes, the patent twins, Stuart and Ian, have been growing giant pumpkins and entering them in competitions right through Europe. Hey, beat there. 2014 UK record for the heaviest pumpkin grown indoors. They had a monster that weighed 1,021 kilograms or 160 stone. To put that into proper money, 2,252 pounds, if my calculations are correct. That's over a tonne weight for one pumpkin. They didn't quite make the world record, uh, but they say they will do. They're going to stick at it, and they've just got to put another 100 or so pounds, uh, and they'll be there. The boys are in demand from the media right now, and I managed to grab Ian for a few minutes to talk about what it takes to grow fruit and veg at such a phenomenal rate. More of that later. My thanks to Charlie Jones, our producer, and Mr Fothergill Seeds, the sponsors of this week's podcast. Gale force winds uh, this week, I'm afraid, brought the early autumn colour down. Pity to see those leaves fall quite as quickly as they did. But there's plenty more, and I was lucky. Last weekend I managed to pick a, a big tray of uh, Bramley apples and another tray of commies pears and a third one of conference, so I got those before the wind blew and threw those about. We usually have something new to talk about each week, and this week it's LED lights. You know, those little energy-efficient lights that we use in the home now quite a lot. And last Saturday there was a chance to win an aero garden growing system called Harvest Elite. And that had LED lights and a hydroponic system which produced growth five times faster than if you were growing things outside in the soil. And now I hear that tomato grower Flavour Fresh up in Southport is using LED lighting in 31 acres of glasshouses to produce tomatoes year-round. You know, we've been importing them from uh, sunnier climes from pretty well November to March, but now, up in Southport, they can crop year-round. And the amazing thing is that with these LED lights, the energy required to grow tomatoes goes down by 35%, reducing the need for excessive heating and ventilation costs. Andy Rowe, Flavour Fresh Production Manager, says that using this technology... Tomatoes can be grown anywhere, even underground in a tube train carriage. <laughs> so goodness knows where we're going to end. Now the average yield of tomatoes commercially has doubled in the past 25 years and while the use of glasshouse heating to grow them has been reduced by a third and the staff needed to pick them, well the hours that they work, that's been reduced by two thirds. I mean in just 25 years doubling the crop and reducing all those costs. It's amazing how things are changing. Another bit of news, Coolings, uh, who have that uh, really fabulous garden centre at Knockholt in Kent, uh, have now 
got their third garden centre on the 1st of November, they take over the Potted Garden Nursery near Leeds Castle in Kent. They're going to retain all the current staff and they hope to improve even more the quality of plants offered. You know, Cooling's are great plant retailers. And then we also have the results from Wisley of the Zinnia trial. You know, I've been a bit involved in that. And uh, I was very interested to see what was the people's choice. And out of 108, the Zinnia that uh, most visitors like is called Zany Rose Picatee. I mean, it's a deep purple to pale pink and white. I mean, that's a pretty zany colour, and I'm amazed. Quite honestly, uh, I think I'm happier myself with the second prize winner, which was Benares Giant Deep Red. Boy, that's a cracking zinnia. If you want one to cut, it'll grow two and a half, three feet tall, given a good summer. Uh, So there's a couple of really cracking zinnias. Actually, another plant which uh, got really high votes by visitors to Wisley was a Celosia argentea cristata, that's one of the coxcomb celestias, and it's called Dragon's Breath. I mean, it has really dark foliage and crimson flowers, and it's also just won the Southwest Growers Plant of the Year. So uh, that's one to look out for next year. As to advice for this week, well, if you haven't sown any overwintering lettuce, do please get some seeds in as quick as you can, There's Arctic King, a good cabbage lettuce, a cabbage-shaped lettuce. Or if you want something a bit more upright, then Winter Gem. It's like Little Gem, but it's bred to be really hardy and stand the winter. It's a great variety. I've got some onion sets planted, the Japanese onion sets. They've already started to make a bit of root. And if you've got a cold frame or a cold greenhouse or a polytunnel, it's not a bad idea to space the onion sets 12 inches apart and then pop the uh, lettuce seedlings in between them. By the time the onions need all the space next uh, April, May, then you'll have cut and eaten the lettuce. And that's a very good, uh, what we call intercropping, double crop. Make uh, full use of what space you've got. I'm busy transplanting seedlings of larkspur that were sown last month. I'll keep that under cloches to get some really big early flowers. And I've started to cut anemones. They're very useful crops to grow under cover. Corms were planted last week in July and I'll be cutting them from now onwards, I think, right through to Christmas with a bit of luck. Well, I've followed for years those uh, twin Peyton brothers down in Limington growing giant pumpkins and I've managed to... uh, snatch Ian away for a few minutes. I have to tell you he's president of the great Pumpkin Commonwealth. Now is is that the title? Have I got it right? Yeah that's the title. Great honour. First time it's ever come out of from across the pond so first ever out of Europe. So. And you actually hosted didn't you last year a whole group of uh, international giant pumpkin growers? Yeah, well, every year we have what we call the big, the Americans call it the big show. So it's basically our big prize giving. So then the GPC is basically a, a governing body that we have a really strict rules to make pumpkin growing really fair. So we have way off for the whole year. And we, we start down, obviously, in New Zealand and Australia, and they'd be sort of weighing at about our springtime. And then we come up through the equator, and now we're on to 
to the northern hemisphere and the these last next couple of weeks are the really important weeks that that's where the really big pumpkins are weighed in can you just take us through your sort of history Stuart and Ian I mean I talked about around the world you started I think just as schoolboys, didn't you yeah we started probably about the age of 12 13 um, we were given a seed we've always been in the growing business like you know because uh, uh, you went to to Rittle with my father I did indeed yes Durf. oh goodness he was the one and a, a real character yes we miss him We've always been growing plants, my view, but when we had, we were given this seed, and then all of a sudden we grew this monster pumpkin, and it, it actually weighed 57 pounds, and it's a figure we sort of always remember because we must have been the only kids in the world to not want to be on holiday, want to be looking after our pumpkin. <laughs> in fact, this year was a little bit of a landmark because our pumpkins are growing so quickly now. This was the first year that our pumpkin was actually growing, estimated to be growing more than that pumpkin. So it was estimated to be growing 60 pounds a day. We're now growing in one day what we did in a whole season, which is quite remarkable. It, it is quite remarkable. And to be able to get one fruit to put on 60 pounds a day, that's phenomenal. Unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, when I went into your glass house to see these growing, they're like triffids, aren't they? How long will each vine be from the root outwards? Um, normally from the, the stump or where we first plant the seed to where we pollinate. It's normally something... Now, forgive me if I'm going to do it in feet and inches because we do everything in metric over here, but our friends across the pond do everything in feet and inches. Oh, well, I'm happier we, with feet and inches, yeah. And I'm with you on that one, so I'm going to do it with feet and inches. Um, we're looking at somewhere between 13 and 15, 16 foot away from the main stump. So it's not actually that far, but each of our plants will be about 900 square foot. <laughs> and then could you give us an idea of each leaf size? Because that, the, each leaf is enormous, isn't it? I'm just trying to think what you compare it with. I mean, they're as big as a tractor wheel, aren't they? I mean, yeah, I mean, them, they... they're huge. And then you manage to get these stems to form a root at the base of each of those leaves, don't you? So there's a massive root for each plant. It's all about really getting the most amazing soil ever. So we start by double digging our soil in the traditional way of double digging but in the slightly untraditional way of using the one and a half ton digger to do it. Oh, you don't do it by hand. Come on now, that's cheating, isn't it? We, we ought to get the rule back in. Just just <laughs> hand trenching. <laughs> the thing is, our soil's nearly 40 inches deep. Oh, crumbs. <laughs> so, we, so we do it on a meg, everything on a mega scale, and we, we gently put the soil back on, and from that moment on, no one's allowed to walk in our patch unless they walk on walk boards. And we use an 8 by 4 sheet of plywood. Well, in fact, we use about 50 of them because we've only got six plants, but they're big plants. And, and that is just to look after because they've got very fragile roots. Right. So we obviously don't want to be damaging the roots, but also we don't want to damage our soil because we're trying to get the most, most amazing aerated soil possible. 
And when you see the size of them, you can see why. Yeah, exactly. What about the watering and feeding then? I mean, is, is that automatic or are you doing it by hand? Watering's a really important thing and the feeding's a very important thing. And there's also another very important thing and that's putting in all the good guys. So a lot of us are here in sort of the inward would be um, things like compost tea. Right. And mycorrhizae um, and trichoderma. There are, some of these are long words like trichoderma, but basically all they are are friendly bacteria and um, mycelians which, or fungi. And basically we are now, every time we water, we pile in all these we call them good guys, friendly bugs, yeah. friendly fungi. And we literally pour it in all over the crop. Rather than the old style of sterilizing everything, we found that by pouring in all the good stuff, it's very difficult for the bad things, you know, the pythiums, rhizoctonia, phytophthora, all those nasty guys to get to the plant. So that's one thing we do with the soil. We get to feeding, and a lot of people think, my God, what do you feed that thing on? And you would think we would be piling in lots and lots of feed, but it's actually quite the reverse. So we're looking, we're looking to get a really good, healthy, fighting fit pumpkin plant. So in other words, if we go to a mucky D's and you know eat that every day, we're going to get very fat, but we're not going to live particularly long. Eat a few carrots a day and you go to the gym, you're going to be fighting fit. And that's what we want our plants to be, so they get a very well-balanced diet. And then you get to the watering bit, which is probably quite an interesting statistic. We keep them a little bit on the dry side before we pollinate to encourage roots. But once they're pollinated, you can't not water them if you miss them for a day, like you've seen on tomatoes when they're growing, um, they split on the ends. The only thing is when a pumpkin of our size is split, it's more like a letterbox. Oh, crumbs, yeah. Um, so when they're growing absolutely at their fastest, we give them 100 gallons of water a day per plant. I mean, these, these statistics are remarkable. And, and I believe your brother taking one of these giant pumpkins this year to Holland had it actually split is that right yeah we didn't we didn't know um, but we split that one so it was under GPC rules and the way it should be it was classed as DMG damage we, we were trying to get the Gotti or the grower of the year so that's three pumpkins at three different whales but Stuart did take one to France last week and we won that with 2000 and 48 pound I believe when we measure this so we measure the circumference and we measure over the top so we measure from front to back and side to side and we had all the inches up and some Americans came up with a chart that gives us a rough estimate of what our pumpkin's weighing so the world record pumpkin take only eight inches bigger than our one that sat in the patch right now so they can go heavy on the chart so a percentage heavy or a percentage light so we've actually no idea but officially ours is the second most impressive pumpkin in the world so that's kind of quite a nice place to be i think it, it is without question unbelievable 
You know, I just marvel at our, at our industry that we can just keep increasing things, you know, that we can just keep getting bigger yields with, uh, well, in the case of commercial crops, less inputs instead of more. I think some of this comes from the fact that it's very difficult to get things like chemicals nowadays because I'm sure you've discussed this many times that the big companies can't afford to register them for, say, a poncetia crop because actually there aren't that many hectares grown. So we've, over the last probably 20 years, we've, all the chemicals have been disappearing, but in place of them has been all these friendly bugs. So encarsia wasps, um, nematodes, uh, fungi that attack aphids, and all of these things have, have really improved so much that we've ended up with, indirectly, better plants because all these friendly bugs don't need to be put on with a petrochemical base product to spread them you know and make them stick to the leaves and when they stick to the leaves and go in the plant they're actually damaging the plant so we've seen all these improvements and you've just been talking about lighting we don't like the pumpkins and new new techniques of watering and and measuring temperatures and root zones and and I don't think we've even sort of dusted the surface of it yet. I think there's a, there's a long way to go. So it's exciting times. They are, they are indeed. And I can hear in the background those Danish trolleys rolling about. I understand from Rory, your other brother, that, that you're starting to deliver poinsettias now. Yeah, well, actually, that thing that's moving around, that's actually a robot. It's a noisy robot, I'll tell you that. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's quite well behaved, though. How oh, is it? We don't have to tell it anything. It, when it sees a bench in a certain place, it goes and picks it up. It's kind of neat. We start our first Ponsettias in two weeks' time. Right. Um, I'll do a little plug for that now. As a grower to a buyer, if you buy a Ponsettia early in the year, the chances are it's been grown through much better light. So we, we all know when we're getting into... November and December it's really dark in the morning and dark at night and that's what the plant sees you get a lot weaker growth because of it but if you buy a plant early in the year it's been grown to get to that size in much better light so you get a stronger plant whatever you buy them um, the chances are if you buy one earlier it will last for longer. And if somebody wants to get a special pine tops uh, poinsettia then, where should they go? Are you going to supply home base again this year? Yeah, there'll be some going to the garden centres, Dobbies. Uh, they're taking a, a huge amount this year. Home base are our biggest supplier. We'll tell people to look for the Union Jack and for the pine tops and British grown when it comes to poinsettias. And yeah, that'd be great. And don't forget, folks, The earlier you get one, the longer it's likely to last at home. A quick reminder of what's on. Next week, at the Royal Horticultural Society halls, both halls, in Vincent Square in London, it's their great autumn show. That's the 25th and the 26th. That's a good show to go to. You know, there'll be some really good autumn colour and lots of plants to buy for making your garden attractive for the next few months. It costs £5 for members to go in and £6 for non-members. At the same time, 25th, 26th, it's the fruit show at Detling in Kent, 
where commercial fruit growers compete with one another just to see who can grow the best box uh, and the best sample of all kind of fruits. Boy, I like to get there once a year. Make your mouth water when you see those uh, rich trays of scarlet and reddish sort of fruits and soft fruits too. There'll be raspberries and strawberries there. A really nice place to go. Thanks again to our sponsors, Mr Fothergill's Seeds, and to my producer, Charlie Jones. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Thank you.